Radio Maria England presents Padre's Hour, presented by Father Sam Randall. Welcome to Padre's Hour. And we're broadcasting this live from our studio in Cambridge. I'm Father Sam Randall, Priest Director of Radio Maria. And thank you so much for joining us. This morning, I have with me actually in the studio, because most of these interviews are done uh, through Zoom or Skype or various otherwise. But uh, dear Father Chris Vipers has come to join me, which is great. Um, Chris and I met about two or two years ago, over two years ago, when I was uh, looking at um, where we might have a studio. So uh, he knows a bit about us. So, But this is his first visit to our studio. So welcome to you, Father Chris. Thank you, Father Sam. Great to be here with you this morning and uh, great to uh, uh, be, be here and just meet the team. What an amazing place. It is amazing. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, Father Chris is... Uh, He's the Westminster Darson Directory of the Agency of Evangelization. So he's a very important person. Uh, and I, I suggest he might need an anagram to remember that title. Mm. Um, so he's got an extra large business card, haven't you? <laughs> you get, could say that. Get all those words I've on. got lots of jobs. Lots it's, of jobs. Yeah, That's great. It's true. He's also parish priest of St. Mary's uh, Moorfields in, in the City of London. What, what else are you doing? And Chris? another parish as well, St. Joseph's, Bunhill Row, which is the Barbican uh, parish as well. Uh, it's 10 minutes from St. Mary Moorfields. And really? uh, it's there just on the edge of Islington, which is a great part of London. Um, oh, do you get free tickets for the Barbican? Oh, I wish. Come on, Sam. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, once I went to an extraordinary jazz mass at the Barbican in one of the churches. Do you know? That? I did. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I have to say, yes, I did get because the, the director of the Barbican, Sir Nicholas Kenyon, he's a, he's a great Catholic. And uh, they, they, a couple of years ago, put on a production of Jesus Christ Superstar. A really? revival of uh, JC Superstar, and I was given complimentary tickets for that. What an amazing experience that was! Kind of took me back to my childhood when Jesus Christ Superstar first came out. Um, but uh, what an amazing revival production that was! What an experience, you know. Uh, I don't normally do this to guests, but you look like the sort of person I could say, "How old are you, Chris?" <laughs> um, I would say guess, but none of you can see me. Um, I'm I'm 58 next birthday. Okay, so that makes sense about Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh as a revival yeah, um, that yeah. was so significant to my own childhood yeah, as well yeah, so yeah. I was exploring faith uh -huh. and I went with some friends down to London as you always go up to London don't you no, and right, it yeah. doesn't matter if you're going down from the north and uh, yeah Jesus Christ Superstar how wonderful how and beautiful. the other great influential uh, musical that came out, I think in the 70s too, was Godspell. Oh, Do you yeah. remember Godspell? Um, and, and that lovely, lovely, I think it was before you broke for the interval, where everyone was invited on the stage to come and drink some wine. You know, well, I was only about 10, you know, but so I think I got some lemonade. But it was just a, a real vibrant experience of being Christian. And it was right there in the heart of Theatreland. I mean, how amazing was that? So years later, when I went on to be uh, national chaplain for the Catholic Stage Guild, as it then was, oh, really? uh, Kappa as it now is for yeah. the performing arts, um, I just thought, you know, faith in the heart of theatre land. It's there. There's people of faith there. There's amazing stuff happening. Beautiful. You know? So to hear the name of Jesus Christ spoken in the West End, that's quite something. Yeah. Oh, well, thank God. And thank God for the witness of these uh, Catholics and Christians in that place. 
So uh, now you're a convert like me, mm. uh, although different from me. Mm. We, um, Chris and I come from the two wings of the Anglican Church, so I'd mm. say that. Uh, tell us something about your background and your journey into the Catholic Church, Chris. Oh, with pleasure, uh, Father. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I was brought up in a in a household that was just kind of full of faith. It wasn't it wasn't OTT, you know. It was, uh, but it was just natural. Uh, right. Faith was very natural. So going to church was very natural. Uh, my, my local Anglican parish in West London. Uh, I joined the choir. I, I, I sort of was promoted eventually to be head choir boy okay. uh, until my voice broke very dramatically. Um, but I, 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 it was it was in my local church that I really. And, and and through hearing stories that mum used to tell me, bedtime stories, you know. Dad dad didn't have a particular faith, but he always came along for the ride, you know. Uh, and dad was a great supporter. But it was mum who told me, you know, stories about Jesus. She taught me how okay. to pray. She taught me the Lord's Prayer. Um, and and uh, I learned from a very old age that, that Jesus was my friend. Uh, and that's never left me. Um, and it was in my... Uh, secondary school, my, my Church of England secondary school over in West London in Sunbury on Thames, uh, called Bishop Wand Secondary School. Uh, let's get a shout out for that. Um, that. That we had a school mission when I was in Year Nine, and we had two young Anglican Franciscan friars. Okay. Uh, now they were they were pretty radical. They were sort of long brown robes and wore sandals and carried guitars on their backs and they just took our school by storm you know so yeah, the yeah. first impression was my god this is the god squad the bible bashers are coming whoa you know but but as the as the week of mission unfolded they kicked a ball around with us uh, at break time they'd sit with us you know by the tuck shop my favorite place uh, and just listen to us just how's your life how's it going but it, it left me just feeling i want something that that they're on whatever they're on i want a bit of it you know they were full of joy mm. i mean i knew i wasn't going to wear a long brown dress and i didn't do sandals and i couldn't grow a beard but i was only 13 you know <laughs> right. um but but you know i i, I just the, the joy that was there and that's where my sense of vocation first started I've got okay. the Church of England to thank for giving me that sense of vocation, for teaching me to pray, for helping me fall in love with the Lord Jesus, you know. Yes, and that's seen me all the way through, you know. I've got so much to thank. And then when I became a, a Catholic, when I joined the Catholic Church in 1996, it was something very natural for me. It was a, it was a small step, a small step, um, because I was, I was almost there in heart and mind. I'd, I'd been at university in Manchester, I've been part of two university chaplaincies, Anglican and Roman Catholic. Uh, it was when Pope John Paul II came to England on his pastoral visit in 1982. And I went along to uh, that great papal mass in Manchester in Heaton Park um, to be part of that, you know. So mm. it was, I, I'd fallen in love with the Catholic Church. I just now needed to walk through the door, and that's what I did in 1996. And I've never regretted it for one second. And I only look back on the Church of England with great love and great gratitude. Um, you've missed out being ordained an Anglican, weren't you? Yeah. Ordained, an Anglican priest. I was. I was. I was ordained uh, an Anglican priest uh, in 19, uh, 1989. Uh, and that was a, a wonderful event at St Paul's Cathedral. I remember Mum bought a new hat for it. <laughs> all my family were there, such pride. You know, Lovely. they were uh, all the way through. Even Dad, who I've already said wasn't, yeah. you know, wasn't really a man of faith. He said to me very early on in my life, when I when I said I thought I wanted to serve the Lord in the ministry, he said, "Son, I'm proud of you. 
You know, for, for a son to hear that from his dad is something really important. Uh, and my, my Anglican ministry was in North London, uh, in Wood Green and Palmer's Green in North London. Um, and it's there that I cut my teeth in ministry, you know, and those L plates that I put on, rather like learning to drive, mm. the L plates that I put on when I was first ordained, I've never taken them off, Father. I've never taken those L plates off. No. I'm learning how to be a disciple every day. Yeah. I'm learning how to be a priest every day. Amen. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's true for all of us. So did that mean you did two curacies? I did. I, I, I served my first curacy in a big team parish in Woodgreen, mm. just on the edge of Tottenham, and very close to the Broadwater Farm Estate, where oh, there'd okay. been enormous race right, riots, right. you know, very, very, yeah. very, you know, uh, shortly before I'd arrived there. Oh, dear. So there were tensions around the place. It, yeah. was a, it was a part of London and an experience of life that I'd never had before. I was brought up in quite a a comfortable, cosy Sumbria part of West London. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. nice, you know. Um, and, and and I was exposed to a lot of reality that I'd never known. But I just fell in love with people. You know, I just love people. And 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 uh, if, if, if you ask me why I'm a priest today, well, I'd given you the same answer like 31 years ago when I started in ministry, as I'll give you now 31 years on. It's because I love the Lord and I love his people. You know, Amen. and I just want to give my life and spend my life serving them. Amen. You know? That's wonderful. That's beautiful. So, I mean, you're an Anglo-Catholic background, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, St. Stephen's yeah. that, yeah. That's listeners why I said we come from different poles. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, sort of, yeah. Uh, Father Sam's a bit of a Bible basher, you know. It's I am. It's true. <laughs> I still am. <laughs> I just used to swing the incense. <laughs> yeah, he's an incense swinger. I'm a Bible basher. There you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, St. St. Stephen's, wasn't it? A house in Oxford. Yeah, a great place to be. I mean, a great. Uh, it, it was St. Stephen's House, Oxford, uh, an Anglican theological college, uh, and and they they occupy the place that was uh, the home of what's called the Cowley Fathers. It was uh, mm. an Anglican religious community, um, and and so the walls were soaked in prayer, but with a, a strong sense of mission. In the house as well, because that was always the that was always the charism, the ministry of those Cowley fathers, that that religious order, and so when they moved out, and our college moved in, you know, you, I don't know, you, just, you you could taste it, just that sense of spirituality and that sense of service and mission. Okay, uh, I've never been to St Stephen's House. Perhaps I go. I bet the old chapel is different from the one I had at Ridley Hall. Just follow your nose, you'll smell the incense. <laughs> okay, we never had any incense. Yeah, okay, that's wonderful. So, um, extraordinary, falling in love with the Lord and loving people is a good basis, I think, for everything, not just being a priest, but also in your work as, um, as an evangelist. Mm. Is that what you call yourself? Would you call yourself an evangelist? I think every Christian is. Amen to that, brother. <laughs> I think every Christian is by yeah. our baptism. Yeah proclaiming the lord jesus christ you're right by our baptism and our confirmation we just need to just need to release those gifts you need to open the floodgates and just let you know just let the grace of god flow out through you to others yeah it's it's a gift of the spirit mm. yeah it's true it's uh, wonderful uh, yeah proclaiming the lord jesus christ uh, yeah it's wonderful but unlike all the rest of us you've got a particular job <laughs> aren't you uh, you're the director of the agency of evangelization mm. Mm. um what does that actually mean? What do you do with that? And tell our listeners, because it's this is worldwide. 
the agency well i mean the, the so also about london and the diocese and how yeah. it's set up not all the listeners are are um, christian or, or catholic yeah, so you're sure. gonna have to explain sure thing stuff sure thing with 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 so with, how many parishes what's your diocese like oh my goodness yeah. i mean westminster's got something like 214 parishes okay um that's a lot of people and schools and as well. school like I, I i can't count the number of schools primary schools secondary schools right. uh, uh sixth form colleges okay. and, and and you know and then all the chaplaincies you know the hospital chaplaincies the prison chaplaincies wow. okay uh, detention center chaplaincy i mean you know where wherever people are the churches yeah, you know, and and uh, I mean the Westminster Diocesan Agency for Evangelization. Well, agency is good because agency is about action. Mm. Uh, evangelization is about um, making the name of Christ known. You know, it's about sharing good news. Mm. Uh, it's about sharing what we call, you know, in technical language of the charisma. You know, that God loved the world so much He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him Beautiful shouldn't name. perish but oh. will have eternal life. Will have, you know. Um, it's about telling people that God's in love with them. And uh, mm. the Agency for Evangelization, which uh, well, I try and be director for, I've got a great team of of, of workers with me, uh, and we have a. A kind of responsibility for faith formation from its first stages, you know, from baptism onwards, and formation of families, uh, lifelong learning. Uh, catechesis for the sacraments for first reconciliation RCIA. first holy communion the right of christianization of adults yeah. so that's you know adults becoming believers uh, and uh, and also supporting families and couples preparing for the sacrament of holy matrimony uh, but also walking with those couples uh, through sometimes periods of challenge and periods okay. of difficulty yeah. um, and, and just being there for them. We have a really wide remit, you know, because uh, it, it, our, our foundation principle is that, uh, that, that, that God gave Jesus to the world and Jesus gives us to the world. That's absolutely exciting. And it's about letting everyone know that they are God's gift to humanity. God has made you for a reason. You know, God had a God dreamt a dream when he when he, when he made you. God has a plan for your life and a purpose, and it's about helping people to discover that and their place in the mission of Christ. Welcome to this Padre's Hour. I'm Father Sam Randall, a director of Priest Director of Radio Maria England, and thank you very much for joining us. Today live, I've got with me Father Chris Vipers, um, who is the Westminster Darson Directory of the Agency of Evangelization. And just before the music break, he was telling us about uh, his work, which sounds so extraordinarily huge, Chris. It sounds like you're the parish priest of the parish priests. Mm. 
Does it feel a bit like that? My goodness, that's a bit scary as a description. I think what uh, what what we try and do in 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 my department in my agency uh, within the diocese is 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 to just encourage our parishes to be um, places of of mission, mm. uh, places of service, places places of of witness, um, and places of welcome. You know, I mean, we we're we're rather like you know Marks and Spencers or you know other 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 brands are available, but we've got branches everywhere, mm. you know, and we we are where people are, you know, and 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 it's reaching out into our neighbourhoods and into our communities. We saw that writ large, Father, during the pandemic, yeah, where you know churches as neighbourhood hubs, neighbourhood centres, were places that you know really reached out into the community. Even when people couldn't come into our buildings physically because the doors were locked and the doors were shut yeah. by government, you know, instruction, um, it, the church was going out, was was there for people. So my agency is is uh, my department is really there to try and uh, encourage and enable parishes to be those missionary missionary hubs, outward looking, uh, 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 always having an eye for those on the margins, uh, for those left behind. Um, but also, you know, it's a, it's a, a place of welcome for all ages. Right. Uh, you know, from from old cliche from cradle to grave. You know, um, and uh, particularly those who want to go deeper in their relationship with Jesus Christ through preparing for the sacraments like first reconciliation, first holy communion, mm. uh, preparing for marriage, preparing to be received into the church, uh, to become Catholic Christians themselves, preparing teenagers for confirmation. Uh, and, and for just receiving, you know, getting ready to be zapped by those sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit, mm. um, and and uh, yeah, just accompanying people in their discipleship in their journey. Oh, wonderful! If I was a new priest just appointed somewhere, and I thought, right, I need to really assess where I'm at, mm. would you help me do that? So, if I go to a parish, say in the East End, and I want to get an idea of how best to engage. Pick up the phone, ring yeah. you, you'd yeah. come along. I would. You'd buy me lunch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. amazing. Yeah. Jesus did all his best work over all food, right. didn't he? You know yeah, what I mean? True. But uh, no, I mean, and, and I just, I mean, what I'd do is I would go, yeah, I, I would go and sit with that, sit with that new pastor, sit with that new priest. Uh, and maybe with some of his parish team yeah. as well, because it's not all about the priest. You know, Good the priest is there know. with just particular, you know, particular responsibility within that community of pastoring and leading. But, you know, to share it with uh, a team of, of, of parish leaders uh, is, is, a, is, is a great thing to do. And I'd say, you know, just, just tell me about your parish. Tell me what you've discovered so far. Tell me some of the people you've met, some of the streets you've walked you know, right. some of the stories you've heard. And then let's together begin to sort of uh, find a, a charter direction, charter course that uh, maybe the Lord has for this place. You know? uh, that's extraordinarily encouraging. Um, we come, as, as, I, as we explained, from different perspectives. And I would naturally think of a lay engagement. Mm. But I have mm. come across some churches in, in the Catholic world mm that are much more um, totally priest-dominated. And, mm. you know, I remember I had a conversation about Bible studies and the person actually said to me, well, I don't do that, the priest does it, you know. <laughs> it's sort of, you know, it's... Uh, it's like only the priest has a Bible. Yeah, you it's know, wow, yeah. it's scary, yeah. you know. It's, come so, on, grow but up. You, 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 we just so need to grow you're, up. Yeah. Uh, you're actually encouraging Vatican II, aren't oh, you? Oh, God, sort of, big time. Big, yeah. well, well, I mean, I was born in 63, you know, so, I mean, the Vatican II was well underway. I mean, I, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, we, we just have to do it it's realizing the ministry of and the mission of all the, the 
whole people times. Of God, yeah. The whole yeah. people of God. That lovely phrase that Vatican II used, the people of God, that means everyone. Amen. With no one left out of that. And one of the exciting things is Pope Francis has invited the church to enter into what he's called a synodal. That means a kind of a journey process uh, starting this October. Every, every diocese throughout the world. Um, a, a, a process of listening, of consulting, of, 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 of journeying together, of studying scripture together. Um, now, how that's going to look in individual dioceses and how that's going to then pan out in local parish communities, uh, I think has yet to be revealed. Um, Are you taking the lead on that for Westminster? I, 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 I'm waiting to hear what, 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 what we're doing. And, and uh, so I'm waiting for our, our leader in our diocese, Cardinal, Cardinal Vincent, uh, to kind of announce how he wants that process to uh, to look and uh, then you know certainly as parish priest of two churches and within my agency the agency for evangelization we'll 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 do and be whatever we need to be you know presumably your agency um has seen bishops come and go a bit yeah. <laughs> well you've been there a long time well i was ordained by cardinal hume you know, right. tremendous saintly oh, Archbishop yeah. of Westminster, um, who was such an inspiration to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember when I was an Anglican priest, which I love being an Anglican priest. I mean, I love being a priest, you know, and people are the same, whether they're Anglicans, Methodists, Baptists, Salvationists, URCs, RCs, Orthodox, you name it. People mm. are the same the world over. They just mm. need loving. Um, but Cardinal Hume was such an inspiration. I remember he, he, he invited um, any Anglican priests at the time who were thinking of the possibility of becoming Roman Catholics to come to Archbishop's house in Westminster, where his yeah. home, uh, to, to, to meet with him. And I think they were expecting about 10 people. Well, I was sitting in a room with 140 people. And I remember Cardinal Hume walking in and a look of shock on his face. And then he just extended his oh. arms and he said, my dear fathers, you are so welcome. And just that extraordinary welcome and affirmation. Uh, I, I, I mean, it, it brought a tear to my eye, actually, to just feel that real sense of homecoming, even before I made the, the step into the Catholic So Church. it had nothing to do with, say, women's ordination issues for you? It, 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 the, the, the ordination of women in the Church of England was, was, was a very big, big issue in the air at the time. Okay. And what it was causing um, and what I sensed was just an enormous sort of divide mm-hmm. between those who, who wanted to be true to the teaching of Scripture and the unbroken tradition of the Church and, uh, and particularly had a desire and a heart for unity with the Orthodox churches and with the, the Holy Roman Church. Mm. Um, I mean, Archix, the Anglican Roman Catholic International Commission, had produced mm. some great reports. Yes, it has. Pope John Paul came to England in 1982, yeah. went mm. to Canterbury, walked in procession with Archbishop Runcie, the Archbishop of Canterbury at the time. Gave him a ring, didn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, gave mm. him a ring. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it seemed that church unity, maybe I was naive, Father, I don't know. But it seemed that church unity was, yeah. was so close. And that's what I deeply desired. I wanted the unity of the Catholic family, the church that Jesus willed. And and all I could see that the ordination of women or the debate and discussion and fallout from it was causing was was a church that wasn't just, you know, separating itself even further from <clears throat> the great uh, churches of the Orthodox and the Catholic Church, but was actually tearing itself apart too. Yeah. Um, and I just had to, I had to make a choice in my life. I was only 32 at that stage, 
that's two thirty-three. Do I want to be in a church that's you know just in conflict all the time, where I have to take sides about things in debates, uh, and and or 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 am I just going to be somewhere where I can serve freely and faithfully mm. uh, and teach what I believe, and mm. then try and practice what I teach? Right. And I found that in in the Roman Catholic Church right. uh, uh, and under the leadership of yeah, Pope John Paul II and then Pope Benedict mm. and now Pope, Pope Francis. Francis and mm. you know uh, um, but no I, I was ordained by Cardinal Hume uh, I served uh, as vocations director uh, and youth chaplain under Cardinal Cormac Murphy of Connor uh, mm. and now I'm serving uh, under Cardinal Vincent and okay. So yeah, yeah, but so yeah, cardinals come and go, but but you know, but but it's great because each of them sets a course for the diocese. It sounds like you've worked with young people a lot, um, and uh, you've had, you know, you, you enjoy that. You get en- you get energy from young people. It's exhausting. <laughs> in, yeah. I mean, in in that weird sort of way, you know, it's exhausting, but it's exhilarating, energizing, and it's, yeah. and, and it's challenging too. You know, I mean, I was. Uh, Quite shortly after my uh, ordination as a Catholic priest, uh, I was serving in a parish in North London in Edmonton, mm-hmm. uh, uh, St Edmunds at Edmonton, great parish. Uh, and uh, I, I, I was there for three years uh, as hospital chaplain uh, for the North Middlesex Hospital. And okay. uh, that was, I mean, that was that was great ministry apart from the call outs in the middle of the night, you know, but it mm-hmm. was just a beautiful ministry. I met some beautiful people, your key workers, people working on the front line. I met some tremendous patients as well. I met some saints. Uh, and I worked with a couple of really saintly nuns. Um, but then after about three years, uh, Cardinal Hume, as one of his last appointments, uh, appointed me as uh, uh chaplain to our diocesan youth centre which then was in st albans in hertfordshire uh and uh it was a place called spec it stands for i don't know wait for it spiritual personal educational community or something it's founded by uh, an inspirational priest father vlad felsman monsignor vlad felsman uh and uh uh, so so word came that i'd been appointed as chaplain to spec and i thought i got a clue what spec was i'd never heard of it i thought how can i be chaplain to an opticians because i thought it was (laughs) spec savers yeah okay you know i mean really but oh i was there for what three and a half years as their chaplain and boy did i learn stuff i learned more there from the youngsters i met who came on retreat and the youngsters i worked with on a sort of like uh, a year out a gap year volunteer missionary community of young people who who had a kind of peer ministry and a peer mentoring with the, to the other youngsters who came in it's almost like i sat at their feet sam you know i i i learned so much from them about how to speak of jesus christ how to talk to uh, young people in a way that really landed with their experiences um, and, and with their own understandings and their own values and aspirations. Uh, it was inspirational to me that Beautiful. time. Isn't it wonderful being on that journey of discovery? Mm. Um, Big time. Isn't it Big lovely? Time. You've been vocation director as well, haven't you? Yeah. I was, I was uh, for almost all of Cardinal uh, Cormac's ministry as Archbishop of Westminster, I was his vocations director, so about eight years, uh, just over eight years. Really? Because and of your youth were you chosen, or your good looks? And <laughs> put your glasses on. Um, the, uh, the, the, I don't know, and again, it was really surprising. I mean, one of, the, one of the great things about, you know, being a Catholic priest is that you never apply for jobs. 
You never apply for a new parish. You never apply. You're sent. It's You're appointed. You know, when I was ordained, I had to put my hands between Cardinal Hume's hands in my ordination ceremony. And he said, do you promise respect and obedience to me and my successors? Mm. And in my little voice, I said, I do. And I do and I do. You know, and, and that means that wherever they want me to be, I'm free for mission. I'm free to be sent. And I've been asked to do some crazy things in my ministry that, that I'd never have thought I could do or wanted to do or had anything to bring to, mm. you know. And, and uh, so it's all been gift. It's Wonderful. All been gift. And growing. And, yeah, it's extraordinary. Um, we did talk about team. And I was going to ask you who's in your team. Because so, yeah. uh, I guess they're listening to this. And let's affirm Wow. Well, oh, it's going to be loads. No, no, no. Actually, no, no. It, 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 it's a lean, mean fighting machine. Um, I've got two fabulous catechesis advisors who advise uh, parishes and catechists, lay catechists, catechetical coordinators, pastoral assistants uh, in, 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 in the formation that they give to young people and to adults uh, as Mary and Anna. Uh, so a shout out to Mary and Anna. Yo. Okay. Um, I've got uh, Ad- uh, Adrian Cullen, uh, who's a lovely guy, he's a deacon, uh, has just moved on from my team. The Cardinal's appointed him, to, appointed him to some other work, but he was our first evangelization coordinator. Okay. And we're looking to appoint uh, a new one. So pray for that. Everyone out there, please pray that God sends us the right person. Uh, I've got Roger, who's a deacon as well. Uh, and Roger's our coordinator of marriage and family life ministry. Okay. Uh, and brings a rich experience from a rich marriage himself, you know. Uh, uh, but he's a granddad now too. Um, but but a rich experience of preparing couples, forming couples for the sacrament of holy matrimony, but also of accompanying uh, couples whose marriages are going a bit, you know, uh, yeah, okay. a bit pear-shaped. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Roger brings a pastoral heart, you know. Uh, and I've got our great administrator. I've got to give a shout-out to uh, the guy who makes the best coffee in the office. Warren is our... Yeah. Uh, and that is my team. But, you know, I, I said we've got uh, 214 parishes. Yeah. You know, the team extends. It goes on. It's not just the priests. It's all the people in those parishes. We've got an army of catechists, you know, who work in our diocese. And I think it's the same in every diocese. An army of catechists who bring all that wealth of experience. But, but, but they bring their own love and their own passion to it and their own faith journeys as they accompany the faith journeys of young people. We've got uh, armies of youth workers. Uh, in in uh, of, across the diocese in our parishes, uh, it's it's just so blessed. We're, right. we're just so blessed. Um, what about other dioceses? I mean, we'll only be, you probably only know about England. So, are, do other dioceses structured similarly? I don't think East Anglia's got the equivalents. Really. Well, you pinched our bishop. We had uh, we had Bishop <laughs> Alan Hopes was was oh, our yeah, uh, assistant bishop it's in uh, in in Westminster. I knew Bishop Alan when oh, he was uh, okay. an Anglican priest. Right. Uh, in fact, when I was in the parish in Wood Green in North London, uh, Bishop Alan, then Father Alan, was in the Anglican parish of Tottenham, bang next door, in the shadow of Spurs football ground. Okay, uh, and I knew him then, and uh, I, I respected him and loved him very much then. You know, he was a great mentor to me as a junior priest. Uh, and uh, then he ended up as being one of our bishops in Westminster, and now he's Bishop of East Anglia. So uh, I, I think different dioceses have different approaches uh, to to it. You know, some have um, people in posts who coordinate all this on a diocesan-wide basis. Uh, 
others have part-time, uh, others have different structures. But I can only really speak for Westminster because uh, okay. I think sadly as well, Father, too, uh, the, the pandemic has seen uh, quite a bit of dice and restructuring in some places. Because too. of money. I think I think that's been part of it. Um, we we haven't experienced that in Westminster, um, but but I know some dioceses have. But at the same time, I know some restructuring that's happened in certainly one diocese uh, uh, that's not a million miles from Westminster diocese, which is really putting evangelization front and centre. Wonderful. And I really respect that, and I really look mm-hmm. forward to seeing how that how that, that, that blossoms and flourishes, because yeah. it seems to me that that's a really gospel-inspired vision for how you want the diocese to, to, to go forward. I mean, if we're not doing mission, we're not being church. Yeah. We're not doing mission, you die. You well, know, it's uh, not uh, just about survival, though, is it? It's, it's actually our identity. It's about being faithful. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, go and, and proclaim the gospel to all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you know, Jesus' last command to us, you know. Uh, it's almost like Jesus... Jesus Pleading with us, you know, this is this 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 is what I need you to be, and I need you to do, mm. you know. And yeah, I mean, I think Mother Teresa or some other saint sort of said, I don't know, all the saints seem to say kind of similar things to us, maybe. Uh, you know, I don't need you to be successful; I just need you to be faithful. Oh, Amen. Yeah. That's beautiful. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to ask about um, whether, you know, there are parish-based evangelists. Do you have that? Because we did. Uh, I've worked with them before. I, but as an Anglican, I don't know if they do that. Yeah. Do you get specific people who are trained? Some parishes have appointed, and, we, and we've got a few in Westminster Diocese. Uh, Westminster Diocese is all the North London, is, is, all, is, is all the London boroughs north of the River Thames and the whole county of Hertfordshire. So that's just kind of like boundary, you know, it's our little boundaries. But that's a lot of people, you know, London is very densely populated. But quite a few parishes have appointed evangelisation coordinators. Okay. And that's a bold move for a parish budget to actually say, you know, now, you, you, you've, you've got to allocate your resources, your spending as a parish, according to your vision. According mm. to your vision, let it be vision-led. You know, uh, and, and so, so quite a few parishes have appointed evangelization coordinators, right. uh, full-time or part-time. Uh, and I can tell you, you know, those parishes that have, their, 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 their mission and outreach has gone to a whole new level. There you go. If you're listening to this, there's an idea for your parish. Why not appoint yeah, someone to take on um, the evangelization challenge? But Chris, you know, I mean, the Catholic Church, one of its wonderful riches is its diversity. And, and Westminster's very diverse, like, well, most dioceses, but actually probably much more diverse than some, isn't it? It doesn't that present some challenges, cultural diversity for evangelization, for missional issues. Mm. Well, I, I mean, the reality is that, that a lot of those who've come to our shores and, and uh, join our parishes, you know, who have migrated to London over the years, bring such a, a depth of, of discipleship. Uh, such a love of scripture uh, and such a passion for prayer uh, mm. that is really quite humbling. You know, I mean, my my last parish before I went to where I am now in the city of London, uh, city of London is very quiet at the moment, by the way, you know, pray that we reopen. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I mean, I open my doors and I'm just saying, please come in. Whereas before I had to like, you know, when I locked the doors in the evening, please go home, you know, just go and leave. Um, but my last parish, my previous parish was in uh, was in Feltham. 
in West London, just on the edge of uh, Heathrow Airport, mm. uh, with Feltham Young Offenders, the youth prison there that I was quite involved with. Uh, tremendous place. I mean, some very damaged uh, young young men in there who know how to damage as well, but some very damaged young men. Um, but 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 the the our parish primary school bang next door to us had I think it was at last count thirty eight native languages spoken of the children in the school. Yeah. And that gives you a bit of a glimpse into how our parish community looked and how, into how our town looked as well. Our London looks like this. Yeah. Our London, our UK is, and always has been, uh, mixed, diverse, rich, full of people bringing their own customs, traditions and stories to our isles, you know. Uh, and, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a challenge is good. It's good to be challenged. Mm. You know, uh, and, and part of our role, I think, as, as churches, we've seen this during pandemic, but, but it's true of us anyway. We are community hubs. We're community builders. Right. You know, we, 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 we help to be the glue in neighbourhoods sometimes. Um, Pope St John the Twenty Third had a beautiful description of the parish as like uh, the parish well that everyone can come to and draw water. And I think there's that, that real sense in which we, we as parishes have a have a really vital role to help people belong somewhere. Yeah. Is your um, organiser, whatever, your agency involved in, in specific social justice issues? And I'm thinking of asylum, refugee issues and those sorts of things. Are you involved with those new, new to our parishes, those sorts of people? We work very closely uh, in the diocesan kind of structure, the diocesan what's called the diocesan curia. Uh, we work really closely with our Caritas, Westminster Caritas oh, department. Okay. In fact, we share a we we, we we share an office with them, and and mm. we work really closely with them, joint 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 uh, collaboration and stuff, uh, and with our justice and peace organisation too. Uh, and uh, it, it's yeah, I mean. It, Proclaim the gospel and and do it however you need to, and sometimes proclaiming the gospel is getting your sleeves rolled up, you know, and actually you know packing a bag at a food bank, and sometimes proclaiming the gospel is actually sitting down on the pavement with someone who's homeless, and just listening to their story, you know, and proclaiming the gospel can 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 be uh, championing uh, someone's rights uh, and their dignity, or advocating for them giving them a voice. Proclaiming the gospel takes many different forms. Whoever you meet, what do they need? Uh, in Fratelli Tutti, Pope Francis, mm. you know, recent uh, encyclical, he talks a lot about the parable of the Good Samaritan mm. and, and who is my neighbour. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it's not just my neighbour is anybody who needs me, mm. but imagine that you are the one who's beaten up on the road and that person on the road says, who is my neighbour? Mm. And church tries to be that neighbour. Mm. And church is people. It's not it's not Pope, cardinals, bishops, archbishops, whatever. You know, it's not uh, bricks and, and, and stone and wood. It's flesh and blood. It's us. It's people. So, yeah, we, we, we work really closely with, with our Caritas organisation okay. and Justice and Peace. And we have a, a lovely programme in Westminster called the Proclaim Programme. Mm. Proclaim Westminster building missionary parishes, forming missionary disciples. And one of the things that we invite local parish evangelization teams, you know, to form a team, look at the gifts and talents in your parish, do wow. an audit of talents. It's exciting. You know, uh, what, one thing we invite them to do is to think of local evangelizing initiatives, which could well be reaching out 
to the margins. Well, it needs to be reaching out to the margins. Don't just preach to the choir, mm. you know. Uh, 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 try and make the name of Jesus known. Do, do a classic Francis of Assisi, whether he ever said it, I don't know, but he certainly lived it. Preach the gospel to all creation. Use words if you have to. I was going to do that quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got there first. Yeah, see. you did. Uh, that's wonderful. I'd like to ask, are people coming in to the Catholic Church from other churches? Uh, you know, are people, I mean, London's very diverse, mm. extraordinarily, in all sorts of ways, but also uh, in terms of ecclesiology. Are people coming into the Catholic Church? We're finding a steady stream of those who, who are finding a home in the Catholic Church, and mm. and, and not just those from other, other Christian churches, mm. uh, but, you know, those from other religious faiths. And that can be problematic. It can be very them. challenging yeah, for yeah, them, enormous, yeah. enormous risk as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've accompanied uh, personally uh, three people from uh, from Islam okay. into Christianity, yeah. uh, and it's been such a sensitive time for them, you know. Yeah. And we've had to do it so, so very carefully and respectfully, too. Um, but but people coming from no faith background at all, who uh, 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 well. Don't be surprised, you know. I mean, I mean, God is working His purpose out, you know, yeah. and, and 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 somehow through something, God has spoken to them that tender, gentle invitation, uh, and they found their way to our doors. Beautiful, you know. And and so I've accompanied and continue to accompany right now people who are finding, taking the first steps of faith. Who've got no hinterland in faith at all, no faith background. They were never taught how to pray. You know, they're coming along to Mass at the moment and they do need the words of the Lord's Prayer. Don't assume they know anything, you no. know. So, And that's beautiful, actually, as people discover that. Because coming alive. I think they found the voice of God. You know, they've not read it in a book. They've not heard it in a sermon. They've heard it from their heart. Oh, that's encouraging. Welcome back to Padrizar. Um I'm Father Sam Randall, and this is Radio Mirror England. And I have with me Chris, Father Chris Vipers, who's the Westminster Darson Directory of, of the Agency of Evangelization. And we've been talking about a lot of his work. He's just sharing about people coming into the church from other faiths and people with no faith background, absolutely nothing. We forget that, the sort of uh, cultural, I don't know, challenges that we're facing. Um, the world has changed now a sort of happier note what about people from evangelical backgrounds are they finding their way into the church chris like me like you father well i mean father yeah. sam you know you sort of blazed a trail <laughs> but yes is the answer you know That's yes great. is the answer i mean there's i mean there's people like yourself father uh there, there is dare i say it, people like you know and this is people uh, in other cultures and other places scott hahn and other you yeah. know who, who sort of bring that that whole the, the, their love of the scripture has led them to a love of the church deeper mm. and deeper you know yes, and yeah. and yeah I, I, and we do find that you know uh, uh, uh people coming uh who who sometimes shame us in their understanding of scripture and in their knowledge of sacred scripture 
you know. Uh, they can quote yeah, chapter and verse. Yeah, we, we we all bring different gifts. I can quote canon law to you, oh, but you can quote right. the word of God. No, 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 I mean, no, 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 I don't mean we that. Bring, but, you know. We bring different gifts. It's complementary, and that's the beautiful thing yes, about the church. Great. Now, um, in London, it's very rich, not only with all these cultural diversity, but also some of the ecclesial communities, mm. which is, I think, one of the mm. fruits of Vatican II, mm. although mm. Um, mm. the movements start before things like, I mean, Opus Dei is not, nothing to do with Vatican II, but that's yeah. big, isn't it, yeah. in London? That's one of them. Oh, yes, it's great. And Focolari, um, that's pre-Vatican II as well. Uh, That's big in London. I think it's a couple of houses, aren't there? Yeah, the the main one. I mean, the main one is at Welling Garden City. Welling Garden City. Centre for Unity there. Yeah. Tremendous. Um, Do you know what the hallmark of all of them is? Go on. That they are strong lay communities Mm. and that clergy have their place within that. You know, ordained clergy have their place within that. But they're strong lay communities with strong lay leadership. The neocatechumenal way has a beautiful model of lay catechists as leaders of the smaller communities. Uh, and, and, And that's people awake to their baptism, awake to their confirmation. You know, I mean, I... I joshed with you about not knowing the scripture. We do know the scripture, you know, and, and, mm. and studying it in, in, in small groups like that uh, through the different movements, neocatechumenal way, through the Opus Dei, through Emmanuel community, Shem and Nerf. Uh, they're all, all different expressions of, of, of the small communities that we read about in the Acts of the Apostles. You know, yeah. meeting together for the teaching of the apostles, uh, the breaking of bread and the prayers. They yeah. all have a particular charism, don't they? Mm. They all have an emphasis different. Yeah. The yeah. Shemin is different from yeah. Kosilo yeah. and so yeah. on. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, do you work with a lot of these communities? Uh, because they're in our parishes. Mm. Uh, we, we, we work really closely with them. And, and it's often people in the new movements who have the greatest heart for evangelization. Uh, as mm. well. Uh, I used to, when I was parish priest years ago, of uh, Corpus Christi Church in Covent Garden, okay. uh, which is now the Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament, beautiful church. We used to have something every summer where we'd work with uh, three of our neighbouring parishes called Spirit in the City. Okay. And it'd take place over two or three days and culminate in a great Christian is festival. Is that ecumenical? No, 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 no. Okay. And we, we had a few Buddhists came along, but no, um, I, no, that's not ecumenical. That's Hare Krishna I, I, I came meant, and you know, no, I meant like the did the Anglicans get involved? Uh, no, I mean they, they uh, yeah, I think they came along to it, but, but no, I mean, it was something that the four Catholic churches of the West End wanted to okay. do together. But but we, we harnessed there a lot of the energy and the passion of some of these new communities, Beautiful. new movements came and were part of it, particularly on the Saturday. So it was a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The Saturday was a big Catholic festival in Leicester Square. We took Leicester Square over, a permission from Westminster City Council. But we took it over with stages, with uh, a a tent for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, with a reconciliation tent for confessions, uh, with a testimony tent for talks and teaching, and a main stage for music and for uh, comedy and... And, and then all around the edges of the peripheries, you imagine by the cinemas, the yeah, ODM yeah. view and all that, uh, walking all around, there were there were people going in two by twos, handing out prayer cards, Beautiful. saying, would you like us to pray for you, uh, answering people's questions about wow. it. The new communities are pretty shameless in their evangelization. They don't care, you know. Yeah. And I think we all need to learn something from that. You know, the church people have got stuff to learn from each other. They helped me come in, into the Catholic Church. Groups like the Focolari. Isn't there a lovely French Catholic church on just in Leicester Square? Notre Dame de France. I mean, it's honestly, Leicester, Leicester that Place, is yeah. beautiful. 
That's a beautiful church. If anyone listening, you know, finds themselves in central London, I mean, yeah. where else would you want to be, hey? Uh, but but find your way to Leicester Square and to Leicester Place, which is just off Leicester Square, and you'll find the church has got flags of all nations flying in front of it called Notre Dame de France, Our Lady of France. Mm. And it's the most beautiful church. The uh, stone carving uh, in that. It's stunning. Isn't it? It's stunning. It's stunning. I mean, artistically, it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and spiritually, it's just so attractive. It's just sort of, it's womb-like. It's around church yeah uh and yeah 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 you you can go and rest there and refresh yeah we've talked about the internationalism of the catholic church and uh um covid i want to talk about that a bit Mm. in a minute but that followed on from brexit do you think that's going to have any consequence because when you go to some of our parishes there's often priests we've got blessed from all sorts of places i was with a priest on sunday from the philippines so we've got priests coming. Do you think this sort of, I know Brexit's nothing to do with the Philippines, but it's, it's a sort of under, uh, I don't know, back yeah, down the hatches. I, I don't know. I think, do you think just, it will? we're trying to work it out, aren't we? But uh, I mean, certainly before uh, Britain joined the uh, European uh, Union, uh, there were priests coming over from anyway. from Europe and uh, continental Europe and, yeah. and, and, and uh, abroad uh, to work in UK. Um I've, obviously, during Brexit, it was kind of easier for those from continental Europe to yeah. to make their way uh, here. But mm. it's still possible. I mean, you know, we, we haven't done a Trump and built a wall. Uh, you know, <laughs> people can still get. But no. you think, I mean, think about the diversity in Westminster. We've got 34 ethnic chaplaincies. Wow. You know, 34 ethnic chaplains. Wow. All different. All, all different. Yeah. Some of those would be Czech, some of those would be Slovakian, mm. uh, uh, Portuguese, Polish, of course. Uh, uh, There's a huge uh, influx, or it should be, from the, from Hong Kong. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, there's a big Chinese chaplaincy yeah. uh, going on as well. Uh, a Vietnamese chaplaincy based out in Bowen. Do you remember that that tragedy of those poor the boat people? Uh, well, the boat people initially. That's how so many Vietnamese arrived on our shores. Yeah. But you know, it was it last year, two years ago at the most. Uh, those young Vietnamese who died in a, oh, a van yeah. brought over. Our local yeah, Vietnamese chaplaincy in our diocese, based at Bow Bow Common in yeah. the East End, uh, they were so personally affected by that, and they had such a beautiful ministry of outreach to to the families. It's incredible. London has always been a melting pot, but UK has always been a melting pot too. Mm. Anecdotal evidence suggests there's been a fall in mass attendance. I mean, it's got nothing to do with COVID. I mean, uh, there's Stephen Bullivant's book, um, which is. Uh, Mass crisis, I think, or something it's called, isn't it? Mass exodus. Mass exodus, that's it. Um, I think he had a bad day when he wrote that. Do you? Uh, he sort of, uh, yeah, what is your feeling? Because you seem to get round the darces. You know what's going on. You've got, well, you've got a finger on the pulse. I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's too soon to draw any big conclusions, really, because... You know, we're uh, uh, what today is the fourteenth of June. We're meant to be unlocking fully on the twenty first. That's not happening. I don't know it's not happening. No, you know that's not happening. And and you know, I'd hate to be in government, and God love them. But um, but it, it, we can't draw any big conclusions yet. I mean, what I do know is what I've seen mm. uh, is that the moment our doors were open for mass, our people couldn't wait to come back. Beautiful. Our, they couldn't wait. I, they couldn't wait to come back. You know, we, we during during the ab, the lockdown when churches had to be closed and we couldn't say mass publicly, we celebrated uh, in my two parishes a joint mass on Zoom, mm. uh, and we were getting like over a hundred people at this mass on Zoom, uh, and it was great. But the moment we started to have physical mass again with yeah. the doors open, I kept the Zoom mass going for those who I thought needed it, 
until it got down from over 100 to about four people. Oh, wow. And in the end, I just thought, why are we doing this? So I said this, this one Sunday, I said, would you, would you mind awfully if, we, if this was the last Zoom mass? Hopefully for now, hopefully forever. Uh, and to a man and woman, they all said, oh, thank goodness for that, Father. I said, but why have you stuck with this Zoom mass? They said, well, we've done it just for you, Father, so you don't do it on your own. But uh, uh, it was <laughs> lovely. <good. laughs> but, you know, people are coming back. The numbers in Westminster Cathedral are really rising. In my two parishes, mm-hmm. they're really rising. And with social distancing that's needed at the moment, yeah. you know, that's a big challenge to get everyone in. Are so you we've running to, extra masses? We are. Yeah. We are, we are, and some churches need to use a booking system. But what I'm finding is new people coming. They're moving into the area and finding their way to the church, including some who are new to faith. Praise God. And are finding their way to our door. Wonderful. You know, uh, at the end of the day, people need to feel they belong somewhere. And, you know, gazing at a screen on your own, it's like virtual anything. It doesn't really satisfy. No, it's not. We're called into deep communion with God and with one another. Absolutely. Uh, we're coming to an end now. We've got, I think, the Walsingham Mass. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Praise um, God. Father Chris, have you got any last words for the listeners? I just uh, invite everyone, please, just pray for vocations. Pray for, I was vocation director for eight years. And I, I, I know what, I know what priests are called to do and to be. Uh, I know how much people love their priests and value their priests. Pray that the Lord will, you know, call many young men and that they'll hear that call and that their families and their neighbours and their friends and their communities will affirm them in that hearing. You know, so that many more will will will. And we want to pray for people to, who've got a vocation to religious life, oh, don't we? Because we meant we have mentioned lay people, we've mentioned ecclesial communities, and we mentioned priests, but we want to. We know we need our religious. We need our religious women and men. Yeah, you we know, do. To, to to buoy us up you know, with with their prayers and with their love. Yeah. You know, and and for everyone just to discover the calling of the Lord. Come, follow me. That takes a shape, a different shape for each one of us, mm. but it's a call that has our name on it. Because the Lord dreamt a dream for us before we were born. And he just wants us to discover that. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Father Chris, for being with us here at Radio Maria. If you've been listening uh, and are involved or interested in evangelism, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If anything you've heard is touch a heart. If you're wondering about faith and uh, would like to more information if you're wondering about where god is calling you if you feel somehow an urge in your heart vocation for some way you can email us up we'll put you in touch with chris or with the right agency or people email us at info at radiomariaengland.uk you can also text or whatsapp us at 07502 385010. Do join me for Padre's Hour each week. It's broadcast on Mondays Live, like today, 11 a.m., Tuesdays in the evening at 9 p.m., Fridays in the early um, early hours of 2, and, and Saturdays in the afternoon at 5. It's also going to be available as a podcast, so do keep looking. Father Chris, just as we go, would you pray and send us off with God's blessing? Certainly will, Father Sam. Thank you so much, and thank you to all our listeners today. I'm going to pray a little prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola, that sort of uh, amazing young man whose life turned around as he had a real personal conversion. Uh, So, Lord, teach me to be generous, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labour and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing 
that we do your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you and everyone you love and serve. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless. Thank you.